Hey, it's Bernsey. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. A podcast about Star Trek where we sometimes talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, except for, you know, now when we're talking about Lower Decks. <laughs> yeah, and today we're going to be talking about Episode 6, Terminal Provocations. The one about the cores. <laughs> yeah, the isolinear cores, yeah. When they say core, it implies there's one big one, not a bunch of little ones. Fair. This episode is probably the one where security slash tactical officer Shax channels uh, TNG's wharf the most, uh, where he's just begging the captain to allow him to unleash hell on the Drukmani, which uh, are apparently a group of, of aliens who are trying to salvage old Starfleet tech. The Cerritos finds itself in a standoff with the Drukmani, basically over the ancient rite of salvage. And also... Badgie wreaks holodeck terror uh, with with Tendi and uh, with Rutherford, <laughs> channeling some real Microsoft uh, Clippy vibes uh, in this episode. I, I I like this episode quite a bit. This this one this one had some good good chuckles. Although the one thing that I wrote here that was like maybe a negative was you know how we talk about this show being really efficient. I feel like maybe this one wasn't quite as dense in every scene in every frame. I, th I think maybe there were some scenes that maybe I won't say they drug on too long, but there were almost like obligatory fight scenes that maybe felt like they went on for just just a bit. You know, yeah. like it wasn't quite yeah. as sharp, you know, and I, yeah, maybe more. Than, well, I think this is an interesting because I was, I was wondering what you were going to think about this one, because I think I was trying to I was trying to gauge how to say what I thought about this one, because I think of the six lower decks I've seen so far. It's maybe my least favorite, but it's still like if I were to put it in a spectrum of like all TNG episodes, right? If I were just to lay all those on a table, it's still probably yeah. like a C plus, B minus, right? Um, it's still not, I wouldn't call it bad, but I think it's, I thought it was a, a kind of weaker than some of the other ones around it. Um, and, and maybe partly for what what you're saying, right? There are some parts that kind of drag on. And, and also what you just talked about, there's kind of a ABC plot. Um, so in some sense, yeah. they're kind of hitting a lot of notes and don't have as much room in all of them. Well, and I feel like maybe this episode, like um, this episode maybe channels a little bit of like the problems that I actually had with the first episode, uh, Second Contact, where it like whenever you're doing a comedic series um, and you kind of get into the territory of the absurd, you're always kind of pushing the envelope in yeah. terms of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Right. And, and I feel like uh, Ensign Fletcher um, was just as a character, like I get what they were doing, but he really took like a hard left. Yeah. Um, and it was really, I found it really hard to kind of like stick with that because I, I, I found it really hard to like square the guy who was like the cool guy yeah. in the cafeteria yeah. diffusing the situation capably with like this bumbling jackass that he just ultimately winds up being. And, and like, I think 
you know, while I think the, the episode doesn't completely fall apart because of it, and there's a lot of good in this episode, I think like my brain was still kind trying to constantly like square that. I'm like, yeah, is this the same guy? And I think, is... I think that's also mirrored in the Badgie arc mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that you have this hard turn for Badgie, right? Which is kind of more explained, I guess, but also not like super well explained, right? Safety protocols are off, but it's not. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I took that as the um, the <laughs> basically, you know, every every machine uprising it's always starts. You, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it always starts with like somebody treating the machine <laughs> yeah. like dirt, shaking you know, it and once. yeah, yeah. Rutherford basically like gives it like a swift kick in the almost in the crotch, you know. If Badgie would have had a crotch, you know, that's kind of like where he got kicked. Um, and he even makes Badgie even makes a callback to that. Um, oh, yeah, when yeah, he yeah. starts yeah. to turn because he's like, now who's the stupid glitch, yep. you know, and it's like so that one I didn't have as hard of a time with. But I, I, I take your point, And that's a parallel I didn't make before, yeah. too, where it's like those two characters basically both have the same like, oh, it just turns out they're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. you're seeing the same thing twice. And I think that that just sort of accentuates that in each. Um, I also think that um, one of the more interesting points, we've talked a lot about the um, voice talent so far and um, the fact that they've had so much great voice talent. And I'm going to forget all the, right, they've had a lot of voice talent on already that we've called out and said, like, wow, this has been great. Um, I think the two voice actors they have for this, um, boy, and I forgot to write down, because Fletcher is, um, what's his name? Boy, here we go. Um, Tim Robinson. Um, who I think I'll say, I'm not the, I don't think Tim Robinson's a bad actor per se, but I think, um, and I'll, I'll say this about the other one I'm going to talk about too. I think is, is terrifically typecast into one role, um, and really only good at one role, which is kind of like, um, like a douchey bro, like, you know, and so that's what he's playing. And like, I don't know. I, it just, like you said, it doesn't work as that hard turn. Um, the other voice here, which is unmistakable, right? The second he says one word is uh, Jack McBrayer. Um, yeah, obviously. Kenneth the Page Kenneth from, the Page. Uh, from 30 Rock. Obviously yeah. a very well-known uh, actor um, who, again, a very good actor, but again, typecast to death um, mm-hmm. as this exact same same he's not too far outside his range in this character. It's a caricature of these characters. Um, And I think part of that issue is to some degree that, um, that Jack McBrayer is almost too big of a voice here. (laughs) I think. Yeah. To, to, to play something as inconsequential as a, as a bad anthropomorphic com badge. And uh, so I feel like badgie could have used like 80% fewer lines and the writer, the writing room probably got a script note of like, "Hey, we're paying for Jack McBrayer. Make him say as much as possible." Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. This episode does like I, I would say specifically the stuff with <clears throat> the stuff with both Badgie, um, you know, and um, and with Fletcher. Like they feel like there's just they're just padding a little bit for time. Um, yeah, you know, and I guess I guess maybe the lesson here, too, is that you have to be careful with 
what you bring in to incorporate with this dynamic of of the lower decks crew because it's like you know for a show that's 30 minutes in runtime or actually 30 minutes in runtime or less yeah you have essentially the central core character of the lower decks crew but then you also have the bridge crew as like a secondary tier list of characters. Um, but then you also, within this very episode, you've got Fletcher, who they introduce. You've got Badgie, who they introduce. And then you've got Delta Shift, yep, and like all yep. the dynamics with Delta Shift, yep. too. It's like it's almost like, you know, maybe they're just trying to stuff too much into this one because yeah, it's just I, I think we I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. We don't get to spend, I think, enough time with with the you know the lower decks crew. I feel like all these other folks are just maybe kind of stealing time away from where we want to be, which is, you know, hanging out with with uh, you know Boimler and Mariner and Rutherford and, and Tendi. You know, I kind of I, I think that this, the plot I want to see more of, frankly, is the C plot on this, which which is the bridge crew's interaction with the Drukmani. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's a fun. I think they have the most fun with it. But they're also not overwritten, and they're doing that like you're getting to see just enough to want more. Um, yeah, effectively, like the so the dynamic there is, you know, obviously the the Drukmani are you know antagonizing the Cerritos because they don't they don't have any weapons on their ship, so they're just picking up garbage <laughs> and throwing it, and yeah. throwing it at the Cerritos, um, and, and like the captain is basically just she's doing it's almost like she's just going to buy the book, right? Where it's like, well, we're Starfleet, so we can't fire on people. And she's literally letting every piece of debris yep. uh, in this debris field bounce off of the shields while Shax is almost coming apart behind her because he's just like, I, I can target her warp core right, right now. You know, let me fire, please. And, and the moment in the episode where I laughed the most, I think is when she finally lets him do oh, it. Yeah. And he pushes the buttons and it's like every all the weapons are offline. And he's, and he's just like, we waited too long. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I think the yeah. T-plot is, is fun. Um, and Shax is great. Yeah. And you're right. This by the books bridge crew that is almost bored with this to some degree. Um, but even even there, though, there are things like it, it's a question like their their tractor beam doesn't stop working. So why they're not trying to catch some of this salvage is a good question right. or like deflect yeah. it further out. Um, and that's, it's, it's not that I've, you know, not been looking for plot holes like that, but this is the first one where there's like a few. Um, well, and I'll say this too. I, um, <clears throat> I think, I think the sign of any like episode of a television or any film or anything that um, doesn't quite have your full attention is sure. sort of when you notice this stuff, sure, right? So it's sure. it's not that any of these might not have been here in other episodes. It's just that along the way you were so entertained, or at least I know I was. That's very that fair. Like, That's very fair. I, I just didn't find them. Where in terminal provocations, I feel like I feel like my attention was was definitely starting to drift, you know. And, and I just I think the other the other cardinal sin that this episode you know commits. And again, it sounds like we're kind of more negative on this than than I really feel exactly. like even I, I still am. think this is a, a, a like I still enjoyed watching it. I just think that yeah. it's weaker than the others. Yeah, but but I will I will say the I think the thing that it does wrong that makes it like a le a less satisfying experience is that in both of the main plots, you know, quote unquote, there, there's not really like the, the solution that is arrived at is not under the control of any of the characters. It just sort of like happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
like Badgie just freezes at basically just the right time, you know, which yeah. is effectively a deus ex machina. That's and another one where like if they had written the, you know, the animation note of he should be visibly like freezing slowly before this so that like he's 90% of the way frozen. And then this is the, the final 10%. But you're right. He goes from essentially like let's say ten percent frozen to a hundred in like nothing, which is yeah, yeah. Yeah, they basically make a big deal of like, oh, the cold is affecting him, um, and then it like is seemingly not affecting him because you know Rutherford and, yeah. and Badgie have this big fight, and then all of a sudden it's really affecting him. Like again, it's just it feels like. It's there conveniently just in time for yeah. where the, the plot and needs it to be. And the stairs were affecting him. I don't know why they didn't just keep climbing stairs. Um, <laughs> but Which I did like. Uh, I did like the visit to the entire Bajoran market. Oh, though. sure. Like, yeah, I just yeah. thought that was that was a nice call out, you know, and like, here, put these on. And they have the they have the hoods and stuff. And then all of a sudden, she <laughs> just like rips apart one of the holographic characters. I'm like oh god like that was that i i, I got a good chuckle out of that. and it was i mean it was it's one of those where it's like again you could like pick a part of the edges of if a if the computer is is reacting to his commands to change program why is it not reacting to his commands to cease program um, right but again it's not like the the worst it's not central to the well, I guess it's kind of central to that plot, but it's not central to the episode because of how many plots there are. Um, but yeah, it feels rushed. Yeah. It feels rushed at the end. It, it does. It does. It just feels like, um, you know, an episode that just really doesn't quite ever congeal and, and like come together. Although, you know, there's there's just there's lots of really good like standouts. I don't know why I thought it was funny, but I liked their obsession with the choo-choo dance. Of... Well, yeah, it, it's that whole point, right, of... Um, the Janeway protocol, right? And we talked about that idea that like they are giving you a thing and then letting you fill in the gaps. And yep. it, it, why don't more shows do that? <laughs> right? yeah. it's, not, it's not hard. Well, um, and it was really, it was also a really nice moment of like having Mariner and Boimler kind of like really gel and get along almost as equals. Like I love the, the fact that like Mariner and Boimler are both so like hyped up about it. But then Boimler's the one who has shirts printed yeah, up and yeah. ready. Yeah. And she's like, you made shirts? And he's like, yeah. So, so they've got the choo-choo shirts. And then uh, just the gag where it's like, well, when they th they threw the extra chew in there and it became the choo-choo-chew <laughs> dance. <laughs> well, and it is. I mean, they do still do a good job of like writing this all together because then it's like, well, when they go and accuse Delta Shift and Delta Shift's like, no, we were there. We were right behind you. Um like they, they have things tied together pretty well um, for the most part. Um, yeah. And, and the Mariner and Boimler stuff, I think is still right up there. Um, it's uh, yeah. And when we, kind of the same thing we said about Fletcher, um, if there was no, if it was only that plot, the Fletcher plot, and then maybe the bridge stuff. And, and then you, you scrap the, the holodeck then maybe you have more time for that full arc of Fletcher or, or if Fletcher had randomly showed up in one of the other episodes, right? If he already existed as a character instead of yeah. feeling like this character who is, who they shouldn't have known, right? Who they should have been like, Oh, here's a new character that just showed up on the Cerritos, um, which I think would have worked just as well, right? That, Oh, this new ensign just got here this week 
and wow, look how cool he is, but it's all a show, right? And, right, and right. Um, as soon as he gets put under pressure, that, that falls away. But the fact that well, they've known him forever and it's never fallen away to your original point, like that's a that's a bigger stretch. Yeah, and I feel like maybe this almost feels like maybe there was a scene that kind of got cut for time or something where where we have that reveal, right? Because like the what makes the transition from like the Fletcher we see at the beginning of the episode to the Fletcher that we ultimately get so like weird and hard to buy is he's being so cool about everything right up until the point where he just completely flips the script, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. he, cause he's even willing to like cover for him when they're doing all the core maintenance, right? Where he's like, no, you guys go, you have a good time. And like, it just like as an audience member, I guess I felt like it was really hard to come along with that where I'm yeah. like, wait, why was this guy who was really cool about everything? And like, now all of a sudden he's freaking out and he's worried about being dumb. Well, Did we established that he was dumb. Cause like, like what, literally you know? 10 seconds later, Right. As soon as they are out of sight, he's like, oh, no, I can't do this alone. Right. Um, which is, yeah, again, it's harder to believe. Yeah. Although I've got a couple of other notes here, too. <laughs> One of the other laugh out loud moments that I had was uh, <laughs> just just the throwaway gag that Starbase 80 is apparently oh, some yeah. hellhole, you know, <laughs> and like 80. There's yeah. there's a moment where um, it's it's the doctor, Dr. Tiana, who after she gets nacho cheese in her fur and she's all you know pissed off at uh, at uh, Mariner uh, for for running into her. Um, the doctor throws that out and she's like, you know, why don't you if you want to be this way, why don't you go to Starbase 80? And then in the background, there's just some random crew member who's like, damn, Starbase 80. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I I laughed so hard at that because it's just such like it's just such a well-crafted well crafted gag. And, like, and such it's a, good a great gag. And it does <laughs> wait, it's it's amazing in the moment. It's so well written. <laughs> But it's also filling out the universe, again, mm -hmm. in a way that so many series do not. Um, in that same Janeway Protocol way, right? Because yeah. we don't know anything about Starbase 80. <laughs> we know that it's a place that you don't want to be or whatever. But they didn't dwell on it. Um, and nope. so you get to nope. fill it in yourself. And, you know, some other episode, maybe they'll talk about Starbase 80 again. But like, don't dwell on it. Don't tell us what it is. Um, let us craft that in that space or, um, or call it back sometime, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have an episode where they go to Starbase 80 or something, but plant those seeds, which, which again, to my earlier point is exactly what they are not doing with Fletcher. Um, if Fletcher had been in second contact, just in like, even if they didn't have a voice for him and he was just like there in the group or whatever, then yeah. that seed's already planted. Yeah, he's just he's really, you know, again, like I like I said, I feel like this one maybe pushed the envelope just a little bit too much in terms of just like, you know, being grounded as like a series with with people, you know, and re their relationships to each other. Yeah. And I get that it's, you know, comedic and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, sometimes if, if something's just a little bit too random, it starts to feel like maybe it's going into like family guy territory well, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. actually, there was a there was a part of that where I even I caught myself. Um, because there is this, like, especially in animation, it is the point where, uh, it's right after he, like, fixes things up with Tiana, um, where Boimler says something like, yeah, remember that time, like, this happened? And it's like, oh, are they going to flash back to that? Um, because they could have, like, a brief flashback to that. And I was like, oh, wait, yeah. they're not going to. And good, good, they're not going to. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, they have done that effectively before. They did that with um, Mariner and uh, 
in the last episode, right? Um, Cupid's there and arrow. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. Where she flashes back about yeah, exactly. but they're not overusing yeah. it like they they yeah. could be. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think that whole arc is is kind of weird. Yeah, well, and and it's basically like the way they kind of tie everything together towards the end. I I they basically um, the solution to this problem is like right as the shields collapse and then <laughs> Shax is given the order. Yeah. The, the Shax is given the order to fire and then they have no weapons. And then it's just like, Oh God, you know uh, what's going to happen. This is when uh, they're throwing the core, uh, which <laughs> again, this, this, I guess in, in replaying this and kind of recounting all of this, it, it kind of sounds as convoluted as it is, but the core that Fletcher tried to plug into his brain so he could make himself smarter instead starts just trying to absorb everything on the ship because it, it's internalized his own feelings of stupidity. Um, it's growing larger and larger. So they finally get it shoved out the airlock and it just goes over to the Drukmani ship and just rips it apart from the inside yeah. out. And, and that's it. It's yeah. I mean, it's that a, all together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To your earlier point. Yeah. None of them really. Yeah. And then it solves the other plot too. Um, well, to some degree, but. Um, I think sort of piggybacking on one of the things you said, um, as I'm thinking about it, um, because you talked about this idea that there's, there's more than just Mariner and Boimler, um, and that, that triplet of people is also mirrored across this episode because you have, uh, the captain and you have the captain of the, um, the other ship. Um, but then you have Shaxx in there, right? And you have, I mean, realistically, you have the rest of the bridge crew. But you have that sort of, like, triad there, that triplet. And then you have the Mariner, Boimler, Fletcher triplet. And then you have the Rutherford, Tendi, Badgy triplet. Right? So even in those three plots, none of them are a clean, like, just dyad. Um, they all have more characters and new characters again that you're still trying to figure out. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. you keep just saying to the same point, but it makes everything feel rushed and everything feel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It It's a delicate balancing act to have like a show that's this, you know, it'd be compact. hard to do this. It'd be hard to do this in a full TNG episode. Correct. Correct. And they're trying to pull and, it off in, half. in basically half the amount of time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it, it's fine. It's a, it's a good time, but it's kind of one of those where it, it just I think it suffered from from all those things that we kind of outlined yeah. that it was just a little bit too it, it wasn't leaned down. I feel like it could have another pass could have been taken at this script to kind of like just trim some things out. Right. Just to kind of I, I honestly don't think we really needed to honestly, I think this episode works if you pull Fletcher out with some minor adjustments. Right. I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be Fletcher plugging his brain into a core that causes the core to go nuts. Yeah. You know, it, it almost feels like Fletcher is just too much. Like, I, I feel like Badgie probably works just as kind of like a gag. Um, I think that they probably also pull that whole B plot out though, too. And probably maybe give the bridge crew, you know, a minute, 30 more screen time. And that probably is enough to like balance those. Yeah, um, I feel like either of the plots that we just talked about trimming could have benefited have from from maybe like taking more center stage and just removing the other one, you know, uh, because thinking back to, you know, the whole reason that Tendi and Rutherford went to the holodeck and, and got into this shenanigans with Badgie to begin with was it, was to get Tendi training for yeah, it's zero completely craft. lost. It's completely lost. 
And I, I think that would have been more satisfying too if maybe somehow that training would have led to the resolution of yep. the episode, yep. right? If they ended up back in space or something, and then she had to like spacewalk to solve the problem or something. Yes. Um, there is a great line at the start of that one, um, and I can't believe you haven't pulled it, but um, I, I had to write this whole thing down. Um, because when they first mention the holodeck and Rutherford says like, oh yeah, why didn't I think about that? Um, and he has this extended run on of, you know, it's not just for hanging out with Sherlock Holmes and Robin Hood <laughs> and Sigmund Freud and Cyrano de Bergerac Cyrano and Einstein and da Vinci and Stephen Hawking and Socrates. And then it just cuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, he's still going to keep talking, but it's just such a great line. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was pretty good. That, that was, yeah. The, the cut, like it was already a great, like, sequence of just stuff to see somebody read because you know true trek fans are well, just going to be yeah. laughing at that and again but, um the um the voice work on that on rutherford just so so good as well eugene cadero just is nailing rutherford so much and i've already said that many times how could eugene cadero is here but he works that line perfectly yep yep agreed yeah, I think, I mean, I think really that is uh, Terminal Provocations, like, in a nutshell. That's I, um... I can't believe, though, you did not bring up the cold open um, where they're making warp engine sounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the the um, the arguing over, like, which one is the correct one. And, and I like how Boimler immediately after being corrected was like, no, 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 that's not the Cerritos. That's the Enterprise D at warp four. Yep, yep, I, that's the, that was the line I thought you'd start us with, maybe, because it's so good. Um, that he, and it's so Boimler, right? It's continuing to flesh out his character with single line. They're not wasting words. Um, because... Right. It's not just Boimler would say it's the Enterprise D. He's saying, no, that's warp four. And here's the sound for warp five, if you'd like to hear it. But it's different. Right. Um, yep. Is just so great. So, yeah. Yeah. The, um, I, I also like the conclusion of that where uh, it's it's the commander, right? Who happens upon them, who's like, something's happened to the crew down here. Uh, like, Ransom is like around the corner and com badges oh, yeah, yeah, into yeah, yeah. yeah. to the bridge because. All of them are just standing around going. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But and then I think the payoff there is Mariner. Um, after the, after ransom tackles him, that's when Mariner goes like, Oh yeah, you're right. The Cerritos is a little bit higher pitch. <laughs> uh, Good stuff. Well, Good and stuff. we haven't talked about the, um, the arc of Fletcher, which I think the full arc is while again, requiring a suspension of disbelief at least kind of satisfying in that um they don't they don't um sort of give him up right they don't say yeah he did this dumb thing they say he yeah he fixed things and he gets a promotion off the cerritos um which boimler is jealous of but then they do the, the hard cut six days later and he's gotten fired from that well and did you pick up which ship he got assigned to uh uh, was I want to say the Titan? It's the Titan. Yeah. So the implication is for six days he was aboard uh, the ship commanded by Captain William Riker. Oh, <laughs> interesting. No, that yeah, was lost on me. Okay. So the the Titan is at the end of uh, at the end of Trek Nemesis. Um, Commander Riker is leaving the bridge of the Enterprise E uh, because he's finally accepted uh, captaincy and he's being promoted to be captain of the Titan. 
So it's not just any ship that he was being transferred to. He was being transferred to the USS Titan, which is at, at the period, I believe, at the time this series yeah, takes place. Yeah, this is like a year before, so or yeah, a few yeah. years before, I forget now, but... Yep. So this would have been Captain William T. Riker. Um, wow. So he got he got transferred to that ship, not just any ship. That ship. What's uh What's good old Thomas Riker doing in this era? Uh, rotting in a Cardassian jail cell. Oh, that's right. He was in. Uh, he was in that episode where he stole the uh, the Defiant that's from Deep Space right. Nine, <laughs> and he took it uh, on a sneak attack deep into Cardassian territory to try to blow up because uh, he joined the Maquis. That's um, right. Yep, 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 yep. And and Cisco negotiated him not getting specifically not getting the death penalty, um, but the implication would be that he would be in a Cardassian labor camp for the rest of his life. So, <laughs> Riker's oh. transporter duplicate Thomas Riker Tom is probably Riker. he's cracking some rocks somewhere. Um, in a I don't in know a, with uh, the 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 war the end of the war and the liberation he could have uh, you know could have escaped. Could be a good plot for season two of uh, of Lower Decks. Maybe we'll see Tom Riker again. Or they could reboot Voyager that the, the McKee got him out and onto Voyager. And that'd be interesting. Oh, wow. Now we're talking about some temporal prime directive <laughs> stuff. So. I think that means it's got to be time. Yeah, to that's this it. one. So yep. that, that's it for uh, for terminal provocations. Uh, we'll be back next time when we talk about much ado about Boimler. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to find us, the best place is our website, HiFi Sci Fi Podcast, all one word. dot com. Uh, links to our social media pages are on there as well, uh, as well as a direct RSS feed uh, of our podcast. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts um and yeah leave us an at or a tweet or send us a message if you have anything uh questions for the show or anything you want to mention to us specifically otherwise we'll be back with... that's tell right your friends word of mouth is seriously the best way to get uh podcasts you know listened to so the best way to promote is is you as a matter well, of i mean the best so. way to get them listened to would be to, to to drive around with your windows down blaring it um but that's probably not useful but that doesn't help our metrics paul i mean that's yeah, just that one was... play. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one play. Fair. Also, leave us a review on uh, your favorite podcatcher store of choice if you can as well. We would really appreciate that. We don't care what you put in the text as long as it's five stars or all stars or 100% or I mean, whatever. you could put that text that Rutherford says about Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like this podcast specifically because they reference Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, Sigmund Freud, Cyrano de Bergerac. All right, until next time, I'm Bernsey. And I'm Paul. And uh, you know, if you get transferred to the Titan, make sure you keep your job for longer than six days. We'll see you next time.